0: Okay, everyone. We are going live. At least I think I am. Hey, uh, the Major League Baseball pennant races are crystallizing. Some of the pennant races are not looking very competitive right now. And as I've been trying to think about which teams are going to make it to the World Series, I have to be honest. I might be overthinking it. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. This is the podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball all year long. I am your host. I am Paul Francis Sullivan. If you're seeing me on the YouTubes, you look right there. Call me Sully. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can follow my personal account, which is Sully Baseball, on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast, and Instagram. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who's also been a stand-up comic, filmmaker, writer, comedian, and actor. I've been a a teacher now, uh, go Cal State Fullerton, and I am also a podcaster, and I've been doing baseball podcasting for over a decade in the last four seasons as a member of the lineup here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're doing a live stream. For those of you, I see some faces are starting to pop up in the live stream here. If you have anything you want to ask me, throw it in the chat. Um, You know, uh, just I'm sure you've been checking up on the games. The Red Sox and Yankees played a game which, if you're a Red Sox fan, was just extraordinarily stupid. They had all sorts of ways to win that game. They didn't. um, Judge hit two home runs. There were wild pitches. There were dumb plays. Uh, Jerry's familiar, refused to throw a strike, and then he got designated for assignment after the game. Hey, uh, one of my dear friends, a friend of the podcast, she's been on the podcast, uh, Melissa Monto. She was my uh, reporter during the ALCS when she, a huge Red Sox fan from Texas who went to the ALCS when the Astros and the Red Sox played. She is in... Fenway Park. She went to Fenway Park tonight along with her son, Dom. Uh, I, I don't know if her husband, David, was there or not. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, I'm sure she had a great time. Probably would love to seen you know, a walk-off win instead of a teeth-grinding loss. But the, you know, the, the Yankees, I think they're riding the ship. I think the fact that the Rays and the Blue Jays are fighting each other will pretty much and any discussion of who's going to win the American League East. I think the Yankees are going to wind up maybe not cruising to it, but doing all right. The Twins, by the way, uh, Joe Ryan threw seven no-hit innings, but because it is 2022, he wasn't allowed to finish the no-hitter, and there was no no no-hitter to finish, but the Twins wound up doubling up Kansas City 6-3. to Hey, the Cleveland Guardians look good, and they beat. There was no Mike Trout home run. And they basically it was a bullpen game, Cleveland over the Angels three to one. Now, I've been singing the praises of Cleveland and thinking that they may be one of those surprise teams that could wind up going to the World Series. You take a look at the last couple of World Series from a full schedule, four hundred sixty-two game schedule. You've had teams, obviously Washington twenty nineteen last year with Atlanta. they are teams that aren't necessarily. Best teams over 162, but they're the ones who are you know flying in hot. You know, Atlanta has been playing, you know, the defending champs, who everyone still is underestimated, is one again five to one tonight over the San Francisco Giants. And that's bad news for the Mets, by the way, who lost uh to the Cubs again. Remember the easy schedule the Mets were gonna have? They've been falling all over themselves. Uh darvish pitched great today for the Padres over the Mariners. The Mariners are Another team has been playing great baseball recently. Maybe they're the team to slip in. And, yeah, my my thought process makes sense that sometimes a surprise team wins. But what are, as I said in the opening tease, if I'm overthinking things? And what I mean by that is, am I ignoring the fact that there are two fantastic teams sitting on top of their leagues that There's no reason to think that they can't be the front runners to win the pennant. And we should probably embrace the fact that this could happen. Now, one of the teams that, you know, when I'm trying to be cute say, Hey St. Louis, maybe Atlanta, maybe this, maybe that. Why not Los Angeles? The team is located right down the street from where I'm currently sitting right now in the luxurious Locked on MLB Studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. The Dodgers today clinched the National League West. They've clinched the National League West every single season since 2013, with the exception of last season. And last season, when they finished in second, they finished with second with 106 wins. The low point of the last decade of Dodger uh seasons in terms of where they finished in the division was last year when they won 106 okay this is an extraordinary run sorry for rubbing my nose right there an extraordinary run and they won again today uh defeating Arizona hey Joey Gallo got the big home run uh to something for um you know, Yankee fans to grind their teeth at Gallo actually not doing that great with the, with the Dodgers. He's, uh, you know, once again, the low average good slugging percentage, he's hit a bunch of home runs, you know, it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball, but it doesn't really matter. The team won it's 98th game. They are the division champs. And if you want to have a really, really encouraging moment, uh, you know, you're going to see that Clayton Kershaw through seven strong innings. If you have a healthy Kershaw, Kershaw wasn't healthy for last year's playoff run, which probably cost him a trip to go to the World Series. The Dodgers are as good a team as any. They're going to run away with the best record in baseball. And even though they don't have Gonzalez, who's injured, you're not, I'm not sure whether he's going to come back or not. He probably will. You're not going to have Walker Bueller. Man, like, I've been trying to be so cute talking about Atlanta, the Mets for a while, uh, St. Louis. Um, you know, am I underestimating this team that's gone on one of the great runs in recent baseball history? Hey, Packers Goat uh, is one of the people listening. He chimed in that the Brewers and the Padres are in the race for the last wild card. That's true. That's true. And, and right now that's one of, the more in, one of the few intriguing matchups that we have right now, that and the American League Central. But the Dodgers, I mean, we can look at this squad and say they're gonna have the most wins in baseball. They have superstar talent up and down the lineup. And, you know, Freddie Freeman having another great year. Mookie Betts hitting home runs left and right and has his OPS at nine one one right now, or at least going to today's game. Trey Turner is still great. Gavin Lux has been playing great baseball. You know, they can withstand, you know, low overall uh, season numbers from Muncie and Taylor and Bellinger because a Trace Thompson can get hot, you know, and they just have enough firepower and enough star power. You know, they, you know, I, I think they should you know, not necessarily go to Craig Kimbrell every single time the, the game is on the line. But, you know, you take a look up and down, there's barely a hole in the team. They're probably going to win 110 games. And so maybe I should stop trying to be so cute, trying to pick a National League pennant winner and say, hey, how about the team that may win 110 games? You know, maybe go for that one. Okay, maybe 110 is going to be a tall order for them to do. But they're going to win 105. They win 105 easy. In fact, it would be interesting if they win 107, if they beat last year's 106 win team. And I'm sure the Dodgers are super motivated to win a second title so people don't start comparing them to the Bobby Cox Atlanta Braves, who won all those division titles but only won one World Series. I'm sure fans in Cleveland and Seattle would be thrilled with having just one World Series title in a run. But also, there's a weird, I don't want to call it an asterisk, but it's a weird sort of. Subheading for the one World Series they won because it was the COVID year. They only played 60 games. Now, I would argue they had a very hard gauntlet. They had to play a wild card round, division series round, a league championship series round, and a World Series round in order to defeat Tampa Bay and win it. But I'm sure they would love to have a World Series title with no caveats, with no, actually, it was only a dance in this and that. And actually, probably would love to win a World Series on the field in Chavez Ravine. The Dodgers have only won one World Series in their history at home. 1955, when they won as the Brooklyn Dodgers, they won that in Yankee Stadium. You know, '59, they won the World Series in Comiskey Park. '65, they won it in Minnesota. '81, they won at Yankee Stadium. '88, they won at the Oakland Coliseum. They were the home team in 2020, but all the games were played in Arlington. Only the 1963 World Series was the only Dodger World Series championship that was clinched on their home field. So I'm sure that they would love to have a great memory like that happen there. It would surely make Dodger fans excited. And the true blue, Dodger blue, would see excitement like you would never believe if they win the World Series at home. And speaking of blue and being excited, Let's talk about Blue Chew. Oh boy, Blue Chew. Now, look at Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the boudoir, in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. You know what I'm talking about. That's when Blue Chew comes in. Now, Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis but in chewable tablets and a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day, night, warming up in the bullpen, coming in to pinch hit, so you can plan ahead or be ready when an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive the prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, so there's no visits to the doctor's office. Trust me, those are embarrassing. No awkward conversations. And no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. Feel patriotic when you're taking Blue Chew and stepping up to the plate. And be prepared to have them shipped to your door in a discreet package. So, with Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman. Maybe too excited to see the postman. Because when your package arrives, your package arrives. I may have to go to confession after reading this copy. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? You know what? Some relievers flame out. You want to be an innings eater and go long. It's time to get off the couch, get back to work, and then get back on the couch. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to bluechew.com. I'm going to read the call to action before my mother never speaks to me again. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it. Then do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Expect all of you to be using your Blue Chew. Now, the other league I've been saying is wide open. The Yankees for most of the year look like they were the single best team in the American League. Then they stubbed their toe. And while I think they've righted the ship, they certainly are vulnerable. They don't look like the can't miss team, which means every bloodhound is going out there. Maybe it's Cleveland. Maybe it's Seattle. Maybe it's Toronto. Maybe it's Tampa Bay. We're overlooking again, Houston, Houston, the defending American league champions. Take a good look now. I have to admit I underestimated Houston going into this year. I underestimated the defending American league champions because I thought the loss of Carlos Correa was just going to be too great. I also remember Justin Verlander didn't pitch for them last year. So I wasn't too thrilled with their pitching staff. And I thought Seattle had just improved, and I thought Seattle was ready to take over. I didn't anticipate the resurgence of Justin Verlander. I also didn't, didn't think that Jeremy Pena, who was going to take over for Carlos Correa, was going to do the job. He's more than He's had a fine season. I also didn't expect Jordan Alvarez to take over essentially as the MVP of the team. Now, in any other year, Jordan Jordan Alvarez would be getting serious MVP consideration. We're currently in a year where it's going to be either Shohei Ohtani or Aaron Judge. I'm leaning towards Aaron Judge. Man's having a historic season. Nothing against Shohei Ohtani, who could win the Cy Young Award. Wouldn't that be something? The guy won the MVP last year. If he wins the Cy Young Award, that would be absolutely unbelievable. Now, I also would love to see Aaron Judge pitch one game. In one blowout game, have him come out and pitch. And if he gets a scoreless inning, then that would be an argument back to the people who say, like, well, you know, uh, uh, Judge doesn't pitch. Well, yeah, now he did. He has his z- zero ERA. But I digress. Alvarez has had an absolutely fantastic season. And the Astros are the you know statistically the best team in the American League. And you're going to go into a short series. If Verlander is healthy, if Verlander is healthy, then the Astros should be considered heads and shoulders the best team. And a lock, maybe not a lock to go to the World Series, but pretty darn close. Have you looked at what Framber Valdez has done? Now Verlander is having yet another Cy Young caliber season. But Valdez is becoming a throwback to an innings-eating, reliable ace. He leads the league in innings pitched with 179.2. He's probably going to finish with 200 innings pitched, which these days is a rarity. And it's something that I place a ton of value on when you're looking at a Cy Young contender because I want my ace not just to pitch well, but pitch deep into the games. And Val does does just that. Through three complete games, including a shutout the other day, Zra is 2.5, and he has a great strikeout-to-walk rate, and he's only allowed nine homers the entire season. He's won a bunch of games. I don't really look at the win-loss record, but every all of his peripheral stats look fantastic. Jose Arquidi has had a fine season. If Verlander is back, he's done well. Luis Garcia has surprisingly done well. Christian Javier is probably going to be put in the bullpen, which suddenly gives the bullpen with Stanek, Presley and Rafael Montero, suddenly their bullpen looks really, really deep, Ryan Abreu. And by the way, did you see what happened in today's game? Hunter Brown, 23-year-old Hunter Brown, pitched another good game where he pitched relatively deep into the game, six innings for a young kid. And if you have a talented young pitcher who's clearly winning on the major league level, it might be smart to start him. Because chances are, whoever he plays in the postseason will not have faced him before. And so, look at The Astros fans, you have to understand, once again, your team are going to be the villains. I know many, many of the players are brand new. We're not even part of the team that played in 2017. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because enough are showing up again. You'll still see Altuve, which reminds everyone of that, and they're booing the laundry. They are booing the laundry. You have to understand that. Remember a couple of years ago when people were like booing the Astros mercilessly during the COVID playoff year and trying to root for whatever team to eliminate them? And finally, it was Tampa Bay who eliminated them. And one of the pitchers who helped eliminate them was Charlie Morton. And people were cheering for Charlie Morton to defeat the Astros because how bad they were cheating in 2017. Not remembering that Charlie Morton was the pitcher on the mound when the Astros clinched the World Series in 2017. Doesn't matter. This is not about logic. This is about booing laundry. So don't fight that, especially if Astro fans bring up, hey, this is our fourth pennant since 2017. Guess what? That's opening up the booing because you're still celebrating 2017. That being said, the scrutiny that this current Astros team has been playing under and last year's pennant winner as well. I don't think anyone could say this is a dirty team or winning in any dirty way. But you got you got to anticipate the booze, you gotta anticipate that you're gonna be the bad guys, but embrace that and know that this team has well could very well rampage their way back to the World Series. And there's another factor, however, that I think could make the Astros winning the World Series a feel-good story, and a long overdue feel-good story for someone who will probably go to the Hall, will most certainly go to the Hall of Fame if the Astros win the World Series. And you know what? It's someone who did things a little differently Kind of like a genius who died earlier today. Bear with me. Dusty Baker has been the glue of this team. Remember in post the uh, trash can fiasco, all the scrutiny that was falling rightfully so upon the Astros in the wake of the scandal. And how things could have fallen apart and how this and that and the other thing was going on dusty baker came in and there was a sense that it was a well for the lack of a better word a move to mollify angry fans and angry press because people tend to like dusty and he had nothing to do with the mess that happened ahead of time now the astros made all the way to the alcs under dusty in the shortened COVID season, but they had a losing record in those 60 games. And you know what? You got to take a lot of that playoffs with a grain of salt in 2020. But guess what? The band-aid of hiring Dusty Baker for PR could result in back-to-back penance, back-to-back scandal-free penance, and back-to-back pennants that have his thumbprint on them, that have a sense of this is Dusty's team now. He's been there for three seasons. He's not just a Band-Aid now. He's someone who's putting his personality on the team. This isn't like when, you know, like, you know, Bob Brenly taking over Buck Showalter's Arizona Diamondbacks team. And when they win the World Series, he's the one jumping up and down. But everyone with a half a brain who follows baseball know that Buck put that team together and managed it just the year before. This is Dusty's team. And a lot of players on this team are brand new ones and are flourishing under his guidance. Now, I know Dusty's a controversial manager because he doesn't do things by the book. And people who like things done in a certain way are not always thrilled with his unorthodox choices. But that brings us to why he reminds me, kind of strangely, of someone who died today one of the great geniuses of his time. Am I talking about anyone in the world of baseball? The answer is no. I'm talking about French and Swiss filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard who was 90 something years old and is considered to be one of the great filmmakers certainly of the 50s, 60s and 70s and helped redefine filmmaking as one of the great members of the French New Wave. Why am I bringing up Jean-Luc Godard? And what does this have to do with Dusty Baker? In my mind, there's a connection. Jean-Luc Godard did nothing normally in his films, whether it was Two or Three Things I Know About Her or Breathless or Masculine and Feminine or all of the films he did, he did things differently. He cut his films differently. He shot his films differently. He paced his films differently. They edited the films differently. They framed the shots differently. Even the opening credits felt different in his films. Anyone who's used to a normal film that looks like a certain way, you shoot it this way, you light it this way, they act this way, the camera moves from here to here, would have be pulling their hair out watching a Godard film. He did nothing by any proverbial book. But he made very memorable films, had a super long career, influenced tons of filmmakers, including Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and Spike Lee, and created kind of a new language of film that may not have been orthodox, may not have been normal, but guess what? It worked. It would not have worked if he tried to make a, a Marvel film or a Batman film or a Star Wars film. But for what he did, you look back and say, "Hey, look, he didn't do it like everyone else," and maybe some of the things he did makes you scratch your head. But in the end, the results were there. And maybe that's kind of what Dusty Baker is like. Maybe he's like Jean Luc Godard. He didn't do things normally. He didn't do things that, in a way, that people who are following the, you know, the the sabermetrics world would necessarily adhere to but guess what he's also the 10th most successful manager in terms of wins ever and everybody ahead of them is in the hall of fame walter alston joe mccarthy bucky harris sparky anderson joe tory bobby cox john mcgraw tony la russa and connie mack and guess what the people behind him are in the hall of fame Leo DeRocher, Bruce Bochy eventually will be, Casey Stengel. So we're talking about an all-time great manager who, by the way, never managed in New York, never managed in Los Angeles, never managed one of the huge big budget teams. And we're talking about someone who brought teams to the playoffs in the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s, and the 2020s. He's one of the few managers to manage a team to the World Series for both the National League and the American League. He flipped the fortune of the Cubs. He flipped the fortune of the Giants. He flipped the fortune of the Reds. Okay, inherited a super talented team in Washington, but he took over chaos in Houston. Isn't it about time we start praising Dusty Baker as a great manager and maybe a smart manager? who maybe, like Jean-Luc Godard, didn't do everything the normal way, the way they do it by the book. But if you look at the results, from 1997 to this year, he was a constant participant in the postseason and did so with the Giants, the Cubs, Cincinnati, Washington, and Houston, five different franchises he's taken to the postseason. Is it about time we start praising him as an all-time great manager? And the one thing he doesn't have on his resume is a World Series title. Now, I know following a Dusty Baker team could sometimes have you pull your hair out. Much like following a Jean-Luc Godard film can sometimes make you go, I don't know what I'm watching right now. But the results stick with you. So... Maybe I'm overthinking the pennant contenders. Maybe it's going to be L.A. and Houston and the drama of a rematch with all the controversy about that, but also with the possibility of Dusty Baker finally being a World Series champion manager. Maybe that's what's going to happen, and maybe we should prepare for that. Maybe we should embrace that. Now, of course, the playoffs are going to unfold, and who knows Watch it be Seattle versus Atlanta. But watch it be L.A. versus Houston great storylines, the Dodgers could get the second title to separate them from the Bobby Cox Braves era and make people start to talk about them in the same breath of a team like the, oh, I don't know, the, the Big Red Machine or some other great teams that won multiple titles or the Dodger teams of the 60s that won multiple titles. That's a possibility. Or maybe it'll be the Astros, the Villains still wearing the uniforms that people will boo. But at the helm is someone who will finally get an all-time great title over his head, a plaque in the Hall of Fame, and praise, maybe even from the French critics. You didn't think you'd hear a baseball podcast talk about Jean-Luc Godard, did you? Well, that comparison, for whatever reason, makes sense in my head. And you would also make sense in my head making us your first listeners. We're available on all your free podcasts and catchers. Go to Locked On MLB pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. And you can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Trying not to overthink who I think is going to the World Series and connecting a tremendous manager with one of the geniuses of Frank Cinema. And somehow that making sense. This has been Locked On MLB for the 14th day of September 2022. We're getting to the end. I need some extra energy. I'm ready to pop in some blue chew. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Thanks for listening. And please call me Sully.